0: This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network.
1: Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Raju Narizetti. Um, I'm a first generation American immigrant, father of two lovely teenage girls. I have spent about three decades in publishing, most of it on the news side. Uh, I've been um, And the so-called outside independent, which means that non-communities, non-Wiki, trustee of the Wikimedia Foundation for the last uh, four years now. And I live in New York City, and uh, my pronouns are he, him, and his.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much and and welcome. So it's interesting that you framed yourself as that kind of
1: outside Wiki,
0: but how did you, what drew you kind of into into the the Wiki universe, as it were, the Wikimedia projects? How did you enter that orbit?
1: I mean, the straight answer is that as the board looks for um, independent board members and reaches out, I was, my background in media, I've run newsrooms and I've spent a lot of time thinking about how do we engage uh, audiences, particularly young audiences, and how do we engage them with multimedia. Um, I was told that that was one of the reasons that the board thought that I could add uh, value um, to being a trustee. And I'm a personal beneficiary of um, the free flow of knowledge and information in the sense that I grew up in India, I moved to the US to study, um, and um, I make a living off information and knowledge. So, and it felt like I've, I have not been, and I'm still not a contributor in the editing sense. Um, I've been a heavy reader, uh, if you will. Uh, But I now contribute a lot of my time. People may not realize, but it's a a relatively small board of trustees. And um, there are times when you're very, very actively involved and spending a fair amount of time. There are other times uh, when it's less so. But overall, the demands on trustees are that you give a lot of time. And so that's what I contribute now to Wikipedia.
0: You obviously have um, your three decades experience within media and and, uh, newsrooms. When it comes to how journalists use, interact or or report even on Wikipedia, what do you think is the most common misconception that is repeated
1: about Wikipedia? A few, Rebecca. Actually, I would start with saying that they don't write enough about Wikipedia. Um, Lots of important conversations happening around the world, around regulating platforms, around uh, privacy, around Section 230, which provides them some immunity, particularly out of the US. And rarely do you see the journalism talk about the fact that Wikipedia has existed at scale and is a good actor in most of these um, situations and can contribute to the thinking and rethinking of regulation and public policy. So we are often not Part of that conversation. So there is this, um, so that's to me, it's less about what they say about us, and it's more about we should be much more in the conversation. A related thing is that there's a bit of a mythology um, in media about Wikipedia, and it's accurate, right? That there is this, you can't bottle the secret sauce of a volunteer community, communities globally for 20 years being so effective and so good. But it's easy to think of that as like, that's the only thing that works. And since it cannot be easily replicated and so unique, that nothing else we do is relevant. But the reality is, when you're among the top visited sites in the world, 1.6 billion uh, devices come to us every month. When you're like one of the preeminent protectors of privacy of our users, when you have shown for 20 years that you are actually pretty good at weeding out misinformation. Doesn't mean it doesn't exist, but it gets weeded out much faster. That we can operate at significant scale. All of these are things that some of the platforms use as excuses for not doing the right thing. And I often feel like, hey, but we do. And we do it at scale. And you can learn from us and tweak or apply some things Clearly, unlike us, many of them are for profit, but the lessons that we can apply, the learnings that we can provide. So I think those um, could also be um, much more written about and explained by media than they are. The other misconception is, um, or again, other uh, lack of understanding is how much value we provide to the world in breaking news situations the number of people, when you look at the top 10 on any given day, especially when big news happens, most of the world is searching for big news on Wikipedia. Right. So as a source of news, as a source of information, as a first responder almost, I think that's, uh, I don't think it's appreciated um, enough as well. So I think those are four or five areas of like where we could be much more in the conversation, you know, much more, you um, smarter ways than people generally frame us.
0: That's interesting, I mean, so it's, it's really fundamentally, I suppose, journalists being more curious and perhaps more engaged with those behind Wikipedia or perhaps more curious about how Wikipedia and the Wikipedia projects function.
1: Right, and as you know, um, we don't make it very easy because we, we appear and we are sometimes very complex. But the reality is that the complexity is actually in the simplicity of the thing, right? When everybody can edit, you have to have like systems and some people call it bureaucracy or some guidelines in place and a lot of checks and balances, but it can be intimidating. So I think journalists can sometimes gravitate towards the easy bits, right? They, they, the number of stories every day you read um, and as a board member, I get like an update on all the mentions A majority of them are honestly about some deliberate act of vandalism that was Photoshopped. And then that becomes a story saying, Wikipedia says this and ha ha ha, or it's wrong, or how dare they? And those translate into stories. But that's such a tiny, tiny corner of Wikipedia. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but I think a lot of people don't realize that definitely on the most traffic, most critical pages, but generally speaking, acts of vandalism don't last for more than five minutes on average. I mean, you know, on some page that nobody goes to that, is, that it could stay there for a while, but eventually these are discovered or flagged and these are almost always fixed. So I think over-indexing the daily, somebody's birthday, somebody's you know, nickname, it tends to kind of get a little bit like clickbait journalism about us sometimes. And then there are other more profound issues that get a lot of attention around gender and other diversity, for example. And I'm happy to talk a little bit about that as well.
0: Well, I think that's interesting when you are talking about, I suppose, vandalism, but also perhaps sometimes the the perceived bias, um, the perceived bias in Wikipedia is perhaps being seen as liberal or or left, left-leaning. And that's an interesting, uh, I suppose, take that what we're seeing is kind of those fake news or perhaps the more overly right-wing news outlets frame Wikipedia as perhaps a, an enemy of some description um, But I suppose what might be interesting to hear about is some of the ways in w- which Wikipedians or Wikipedia is adapting to this kind of new media landscape that we have and its goal of, of maintaining its neutrality.
1: Yeah and it's a it's a rapidly evolving landscape and what news brand that seemed relatively neutral or fact-based, can evolve really quickly as we have seen, particularly in the US context uh, with all of the fake news and the overtly right-wing news outlets. You're also seeing it in other instances where when either directly or government-backed entities end up owning most of the media, our traditional definition of this is a mainstream media, which is the largest circulation, so by default it's Relatively accurate. We have to start thinking about what that. What does that mean? What does that mean when a ninety con- percent of a country's media is owned by the government or it's it's political parties? So I think there are those kind of questions which are constantly um, coming up, and it's a fluid situation, right? It's not uh, an easy answer. But in general, I would say that um, the volunteers have uh, created strong criteria for what counts as reliable source on Wikipedia. The criteria may not have changed as much as some people actually would want, but the level of scrutiny that is required to access the sources has definitely like, gone up, significantly gone up in the last, I would say, decade and in the second half of the last decade. I mean, volunteers do evaluate whether a source has a track record of fact-checking and or publishing corrections. I mean, everybody makes mistakes, so are they correcting it? For example, to determine whether it's a reliable source. And when in doubt, a lot of volunteers don't use it. In some cases, uh, volunteers have also decided not to use specific sources in any articles on any given language Wikipedia, precisely because it doesn't have a reputation for publishing accurate information. The foundation um, continues to explore ways to better partner with volunteers to really proactively address threats around disinformation. So the foundation had set up a kind of a structured approach to addressing disinformation threats in the lead up to the 2020 US election, for example, where the foundation partnered with a lot of volunteers to set up a task force and improve and refine its ability to respond to attacks. So it's it's an area that is getting attention and resources, Uh, but at the end of the day, it's the volunteers who contribute to the uh, Wikipedias who create lists, enforce it, make decisions. And um, there are times when there's vigorous debate about it.
0: Definitely. And I have I have witnessed one or two of those those debates. And it's always interesting. I, you know what's often said about Wikipedia, you know, when there's one of these headlines about, you know, a gap, be it a gender gap or a diversity gap, that I think it's been said that Wikipedia is kind of, I suppose, a mirror to the world because it, it reflects back those biases that are in all of those reliable sources that we've been talking about. And what, what's interesting is that Wikipedians would often say it's the lack of coverage of particular topics by press outlets that lead to gaps in being able to then have this information on, on Wikipedia. Is there something that journalists or press outlets can do to to help Wikipedia in this challenge?
1: Yeah, and just I, I want to just pick up on this just complete a thought on the the content guidelines around reliable sources, right? Which we actually maintain um, those guidelines. They are very public. The lists are very public. So that is one of the strengths of our um, communities and our movement, which is like, these debates may be prolonged and lots of back and forth and heated sometimes, but it's all very transparent. So, and anybody can contribute to it and make a meaningful citation-based, fact-based, to kind of say our the volunteers view of this is actually either wrong or it could be different so i think that's a great strength because a lot of newsrooms as you know one of the challenges in news media and trust has been a lot of decisions in newsrooms get made in a way that audiences don't understand why news organizations are getting better at it in explaining the process of how they arrived at something but it's still a bunch of editors going into a room, uh, coming out of it, and then deciding what will be on the front page tomorrow, right, if it's in print, but not explaining why this over that or why we... So I think we are in that way significantly better. Just coming back to this issue of like um, lack of content, right? I mean, one one of the areas where I think we have to say mea culpa is around gender. There is little doubt that there isn't enough content, there aren't enough profiles, there aren't enough pages of women, for example, uh, on Wikipedia relative to men. I think we, we could, if you choose to, put the entire blame on the lack of materials that we can refer to. And there is some truth to it, right? Over five, 600 years of since the Gutenberg press, the volume of things that are printed on men versus the volume of things that are printed on women are disproportionately skewed towards men. And we will reflect some of that, meaning that we cannot on our own ever get to gender parity because if there are not enough articles to cite, since we don't create original content, that will always be a gap. But having said so, and you know this very well with your work um, with um, women in red, there are still tens of thousands of women that we actually have a running list where... We don't have enough volunteers. We don't have enough capacity to get to them uh, and to create Wikipedia content on them. So so clearly we should be doing a lot more on that front and we are doing, but progress feels sometimes slow. And things that are being done by some big media companies starting to realize that they themselves have not been um, diverse or they themselves have skewed for men versus women. For example, the B- a couple of examples that you know of, um, you know, the B- BBC uh, projects, um, the New York Times obituaries project uh, have all um, started to kind of focus on this issue. But I must say, um, I mean, let's talk about the New York Times obits project. I love what they're doing, long overdue and I'm glad they're doing it. But a majority of the obits they have written about women that, that they say are now no longer forgotten are women who've had Wikipedia profiles. And I'm like, these are not women who've been forgotten at, at all. These have been women who have been overlooked by the New York Times. And I'm glad you're overcoming that, but wouldn't it be wonderful if some or many or all of this are women that nobody has written about? Because then you're adding to the body of knowledge. Then it translates into a Wikipedia and lots of other places. So I do sometimes feel like when people take a lot of pride in discovering an outstanding woman, I'm like, you know, you could have started at Wikipedia and found a lot about her. And I see this, but again, I'm not like, I'm not at all kind of diminishing the value of that because over time this will add. And every time somebody writes a new obit about somebody who's been long dead, There is new material for us to point to. Um, We also should be doing more. um, And the foundation, we are a lucky foundation in the sense millions of people on average give us $15 a year and make sure that the Wikipedias, the communities and all are generally thriving. And we are lucky and thankful, which also means that we are in a position to actively fund proposals to increase um, the volume of, Um, information on women or other underrepresented communities so when I see things like for example I'm a relatively heavy Twitter user there are lots of groups right women photographers women artists I and they often like I see them like point to some person that from the 30s and the 40s and I think there are ways then we at the foundation should also be kind of partnering with these groups to say, please, you know, we can help you kind of create more content, which then creates a kind of virtual cycle of like being able to put more of it. I mean, we obviously don't want to get into like paid editing and all of those in, because those, has a, those have a lot of negative connotations, but when it comes to encouraging and funding the creation of knowledge, we should very much be more active than we are, and that's why I... I always start off when people complain about there are only, even that number is not particularly clear. There are only, let's say, let's pick 18% of the profiles of our women. I start off by saying, absolutely, Mia culpa, guilty. Try to explain the larger context of the lack of enough information on them. And then still come back to the fact that we can point you to a page where there are thousands of women that you could be helping us by creating knowledge. So I think there's work to be done. Sometimes, the prism tends to be that Wikipedia is at fault. And my answer to that is yes, but help us be less at fault.
0: Yes. Less, uh, I suppose, sniping from the edges and more uh, getting involved in the in the scrum uh, of of generating, as you said, creating this knowledge, finding the gaps, alerting people, trying to dig out the sources, that kind of thing. I guess it's an interesting point to then maybe look at. Um, so from the point of view of universities, when, when people are learning the craft of journalism, and I know this from very good friends of mine that, you know, like a lot of university students, they're told don't use Wikipedia, you know, and, and of course, more than likely they are going to, nearly everybody uses it as their primer material. But how can we teach these students to to use Wikipedia and to perhaps interact with Wikipedia in a responsible
1: in a responsible way? Yeah, no, Leila and Zola, my teenage daughters, have gone through high school being told, Wikipedia doesn't count for your research. Right? And I've always pointed to them saying that there is some truth to that because we are not creators of version knowledge. But where teachers should be focused on, perhaps less about what could be wrong in a profile of somebody, because anybody can, by nature, if anybody can edit, anybody can contribute, there's a possibility that there's vandalism or any or sometimes genuine errors. But where what I tell my kids and what I tell people when they talk about education in Wikipedia is like, ignore what's on the top, start at the citations it's a great beginning point. Somebody has actually done all the work and created a whole list of like things that you could then click through and go to the original source and then do your research paper, right? And same thing with journalists. I often, especially on breaking news, um, a lot of times journalists are handicapped because if they're not there, there's a challenge. So they spend a lot of time trying to find somebody there and I'm like, you know, why don't you start on our Wikipedia page? Because in real time, people from that region or people who know the topic are actually adding like material and providing you the original links, It's a lot faster way to do your research. So that's clearly one. Two, I also think, and again, this is where we also should be doing more active education rather than kind of take the philosophical battle of like, you're wrong in telling your students not to use it because that's a battle that You have to fight like a a teacher to teacher to professor to professor, and you're never going to scale that. I think it's to first of all kind of making sure that they understand it's a great resource to get general understanding of a topic. That the citations listed at the end of the article provide way more resources to explore deeper learning on your own, and then verify that. And and I don't think we've also put in a concerted effort to, for example, create like a wiki or a cheat sheet that we can try to send to the 500 journalism universities in the world, saying that we're not questioning your use of it or not, but here is, by the way, some facts, right? For journalism students, and here's where it might be helpful. And then we should also be working, we should also be, I think, doing a lot more around working with news organizations that are at the ecosystem level, right? The National Association of Black Journalists in the US, or the Online News Association, which is a global digital organization, to start by saying, how can, how can we help you, first of all, create content about, if it's the National Association of Black Journalists, I would love for us to figure out a way to work with them to say, who are the black journalists over the last, let's say 100 years, who should be having pages, right? And point them to methods and techniques that we have and systems that we have in place, say no reason why these journalism organizations, no reason why the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal or the Financial Times or the Irish Times doesn't think about like a Wikipedia in residence as an internship slot. Because if they add, doesn't mean that they, they should only be pointing to the New York Times or the Irish Times stories, but if they start adding knowledge about Ireland, for example, right? Over time, that builds up and it will include their own citations because they are a reputable organization. But I think those are the ways where we could also be doing more proactively to build these bridges with journalists. Yes, excellent. excellent. I think, And I think that's something
0: that would resonate with a lot of people, you know, who are active in affiliates all around the world. It's just trying to have these conversations and build these kind of relationships and trust and making the case for those kind of collaborations a lot of the time. But aside from, I suppose, focusing exclusively on Wikipedia, and I think this might feed back into what you mentioned earlier about perhaps making newsrooms more transparent. Um, And I have to credit um, uh, a very old friend of mine, Maria Delaney. Uh, She's a journalist herself, and she helped me craft a lot of these questions. She was interested in how perhaps reporters, journalists, newsrooms could use Wikimedia projects, maybe perhaps such as Wikidata or Commons, to make accessible some of those resources that they've used, that they've compiled, the research that they've, they've compiled, and, and, you know, investigate, especially I suppose in investigative journalism. And um, do you see a role for those projects kind of being used or leveraged for transparency?
1: I do see a role. Uh, we also have to be realistic that as uh, the news industry becomes mostly digital, the sustainability is highly dependent on generating revenues of their audiences. So their preference would be for somebody to go to their website, to their app, and not necessarily go to a third-party destination, right? So we have to be realistic about how much they would like to create APIs or put their hard work that they have created um, in a public domain. But having said that, I mean there's a there's a there's a precedence and a history, right? We've, we've for a while we've had a relationship, and including a Wikipedia in residence with Consumer Reports in the US, which is a nonprofit, which writes a lot of content about product safety, recalls, which is also news in one level. So we could say, and there's, fortunately, um, there's a lot of nonprofit journalism that is coming out now, right? ProPublica is a great example in the US, which does a lot of very deep investigations. The Markup, which is a relatively new site, which covers the tech industry, does a lot of very good investigations. And are non-profit and are not trying to make money off their audiences. I think that's where we have to have a systematic approach to kind of building relationships. The challenge we have, I know that in the community, um, in the communities, and in the movement, sometimes people look at the the sheer growth of the Wikimedia Foundation, right, which which is now about five hundred people, and say, "Wow, that's big." But Honestly, there is if a journalism organization wants to do something with us, there is no point, there's no person they can talk to, right? And to expect them to figure it out, search through all of the gazillion wikis we have, find out, find a person, be able to answer questions. So I think there are, we have to start figuring out how do we create for certain priority areas like journalism, like education, like gender issues, how do we create some ability to kind of point to all the material, of course we can't answer, but still be able to kind of work with some big partnerships and how to drive that. And I'm hoping as part of the our movement strategy when we think about partnerships that some of those solutions would come into play. So I think we should also be trying to do more to get them to kind of say, here are things you can do and here's material. And if you are interested, here's how our, programming works, here's how you can apply for funding. We do like constantly look for interesting projects that can increase the sum of uh, free knowledge. Um, Connect with the universities. And so I think there are lots of ways for us to help them but there are also ways for us to show them the value of transparency. I, I have, I really believe that mainstream media created a trust deficit by Falling in love with the, their, this first of all, this church versus states and thing they have where they keep everything, the newsroom is separate from everything else. But that was shrouded in a lot of mystique. The news industry, at least in the US, when it was print at least, used to call itself the daily miracle. It is miraculous, right? I mean, the fact that a, a new newspaper, which is 100% new, comes out every single day and you there's nothing old about it and it's done like... That It is a miracle, but in in creating that, I think they've created a lot of opaqueness about how decisions get made, who makes them. Um, The fact that a lot of newsroom leaderships don't reflect the audiences that they're trying to reach in diversity, ethnicity, race, every which way, economic diversity. So the trust deficit has grown. Smart news organizations are starting to realize that the more they investigative stuff, the more they put up the database and say, hey, if you're writing about climate change or we're writing about rising oceans, here is a database that we've used to write this article. Here is all the interesting things that we think you should know. And by the way, you can put in your zip code and it'll tell you if you're in Miami, in how many years you're going to be underwater, right? That's a very new phenomenon, uh, but that's the fundamental building block of Wiki data projects, right? Where we actually provide you with all of the base and so you can actually do more things on top of it. So I think that's where showing them the value of it and saying that if you contribute to these projects, it actually pays back, not necessarily perhaps in pulling every single reader back to your website, but creating trust and creating the sense that when there's information overload and chaos, this newsroom helps me navigate it. So why don't I go there more often than I go somewhere else? And once you have that relationship, then how you monetize them at your end, of course, is a business model challenge. So I think there are lots of ways for us to point to the good that we do, sometimes hidden, and to say, here's how it might make sense for you to be either part of it or take it and apply it to your own. Because at the end of the day, it is a symbiotic relationship where if good, ethical, trustworthy, fact-based media declines, the world suffers, and Wikipedia suffers. So it's completely vested interest on our part to want to make sure that the content creators are thriving.
0: I think that's a call for, I think what a lot of people have been saying, that if you want good journalism, you do you do have to pay for it. And kind of similarly, kind of, from the point of view, both as an individual, but also, as you were saying, as a foundation to perhaps think about where, where money is being invested and where we can.
1: And the logic, Rebecca, the logic is very similar, right? When we When we say if you want, you don't need to pay to access Wikipedia, but if you believe in the value of what we are providing you, why don't you pass it on, pass it forward by giving us $15, right? Every year, once a year, because collectively then we can actually reach more people, including the individual who's giving obviously. Um, So I think the idea of paying itself, I know that we are very deeply rooted in never charging for our content. We're deeply rooted in never having paid for advertising and all of that, which is fundamental to our ethos and our success. But the larger issue of like, why should somebody pay is not because of access, which is what the media thinks about. For us, it's about like, you know, the reality is it's only only this past year that 60% of the world is able to access the internet on a daily basis, which means there are. Three, four billion people who will get on the internet, who will need access, secure access, easy access. And when they do, we want to be there. I mean, we want our 55 million articles over 300 languages to go to 100 million. Uh, we want, like, the fact that we are very proud of the fact that 89% of our articles are in languages other than English. But we also know that in a lot of languages, that could be multiples of that. And for us to do all this, for us to encourage people to do it, for us to provide the infrastructure to do it, that's when that's why we need resources and we will always want to turn to our community, right? Whether it's editors reinforced by some approaches to saying if you're tapping the collective good that we have created to inform your all your AI projects, help us like serve. You better first of all, and but in doing so, we would very much appreciate if you fund the larger movement, right? So I think that's those are the areas where we also believe in that there is value in what we're giving, and that's why we ask people to support. We don't ask you to pay to read it or take it, but yeah.
0: Before before I let you go, um, is there anything else that you'd like to say that we haven't had a chance to touch on over the course of our conversation?
1: Just that um, I think we are at a we've come. F- We've come far in our 20 years or 18 years, depending on whose birthday you're looking at, whether it's uh, Wikipedia or Wikimedia, but there's a long way to go. And some of the foundational things that are happening in the last couple of years, the 2030 strategy, thinking about global council and making sure that lots of decisions about quality and about enforcing standards and all of that are closer to the community or really kind of saying we do have vandalism we do have acts of conscious or unconscious bias and that's why we need a universal code of conduct and making sure that that's a bottom-up code of course with help from the foundation to make sure we are writing it and we are putting some guardrails but I feel very optimistic of where we are there are times when our Community can sometimes look at changes and look at, for example, right now, uh, in the middle of uh, 2021, we are in searching for a new CEO, ED for the foundation. Uh, We have some key roles that we hope that the new leadership will fill in the the coming months. There are times when people can look at those things, especially coming out of a pandemic year and say, what's happening? You know, "Is is there a crisis? The reality is that, our larger crises are actually external. Our larger crisis around what governments are trying to do to move away from a universal web to very country ring fence things. Or when regulators in different countries are talking about Section 230 and removing immunity and, or when people are, people get into this national data sovereignty and insist that data needs to be kept in a country, otherwise you can't operate in that country or impose certain rules around and define us as we should not be as like a social platform and apply some of the rules because there are bad actors behaving badly. I think all these existential issues are the larger issues. So I would very much hope that we as a movement and as a board for sure, and as a community, as the foundation, keep our eye on that goal and that horizon and still pay very much attention to the immediate needs. I mean, in my day job, I always talk about I need to be both a microscope and a telescope at the same time. When I get to be too much of a microscope, please tell me that I'm micromanaging, and I'll back off. But you can't have one or the other, and that's how we should think about everything in our movement, right? Everything at the foundation needs to be very small challenges to really where are we going, and then the communities should also need to kind of constantly balance that. It's hard. Uh, we we are a, we are full of passionate, mission-led emotional vested people, which is amazing. But sometimes we sometimes forget what the prize is here.
0: This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious.